Welcome back to the Friend of the Father podcast. Thank you for joining us. This is episode number four. If you've missed any of the previous episodes, those are all available on any of your podcast platforms that you may uh, listen to. It's also available on our website, traderspointchurch.org. So if you've missed any of the previous episodes, please take a moment to go back and listen to those. We're going to pick up today as we continue along the theme of knowing the Father and, and specifically uh, talking about some of the attributes that set him apart and make him who he is. And, and we're going to spend our time today talking specifically about the characteristics of God in the sense of him being a loving father and one who wants to forgive us of our sins. Obviously, as a Christian, these are attributes of God that are immeasurably important to us. To, to see him as the loving father that he is, and, and not only the source of our forgiveness, but a father who wants to forgive us. And so we're going to talk about all of those things this morning, and we will probably flip through several different passages, or at least allude to several different passages a, as we go through this. I see Jeremy turning his Bible to 1 John. I'd been studying on 1 John as well in preparation for this, so we'll probably spend quite a bit of time uh, they're looking at what John has to say in regards to God and, and how really he defines him as love there. So, so Jeremy, why don't you, you kick us off there as, as we jump into this conversation. Uh, and maybe, maybe start by answering this question, why is it so important that as we study through the characteristics and the nature of God, why is it important to spend time on these two attributes in particular? You know, it's interesting, you know, what we talked about last week with kind of the, you know, the big picture of almost qualities of God or characteristics of God, those omni words of, you know, he's all-powerful, he is all-knowing, he is ever-present. And we start to, you know, picture God in that way, but now when we start to really hone in on what he is about, those are things that he can do, right? These are just his qualities in a lot of ways, but now in a, in, in, in a lot of ways, this now is his character, right? Mm-hmm. How is it that he uses this incredible power? How is it that he is puts to use this idea that he is everywhere or that he knows everything? What's he now going to do yeah. with that kind of uh, that power and those qualities? Well, what he does is he loves at mm-hmm. an incredibly high level, and he has that desire to forgive. And so much so, you may mention in First John chapter 4, almost reminiscent of what we talked about several weeks ago when Moses was asking God there in Exodus chapter 3, hey, you know, the people are going to wonder, hey, who sent you? Who can I tell them? And he almost gives his name. We'll tell him the I am has sent you. And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of a a name almost for God. Well, John almost does the same thing in 1 John chapter 4, right, of almost defining God with love. When you, he he says, you want to know what love is? God is love. And I mean, three-word sentence that love is defined by God, and even vice versa, God is defined by love. And, you know, when you start to think about it now, the incredible qualities and abilities that the Creator has, that He has chosen to use those in the direction of love of man, now you're starting to see the power that comes really through the New Testament. I mean, it is is the story of the gospel that he has these incredible abilities, and he chooses to use them to love man. 
uh, it, it's uh, it, it's an incredible thought for real. Well, and it's incredibly important that we understand that because if you go to to John chapter thirteen, when when Jesus is talking there, and he gives this new commandment to his disciples that you love as I have loved you. Well, the, the commandment that was originally given in Leviticus was you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, now it's changed. I want you to love your neighbor the way that I love you, Jesus says to them. And so in order for us to understand how we're supposed to interact with each other, therefore we have to understand God's love for us. Because the expectation is then we will love others in that same manner. And so we have to, it's incumbent upon us, to understand God's love for us. And it it can be difficult because of how immense it is, kind of going back to last week's episode. But but it's important that we spend time understanding what it really means for God to love us and what that love looks like because the expectation is now we are going to love each other in that same manner. And, and so we have to look at passages like 1 John chapter 4, and we have to look at how Jesus interacted with people while he was on earth we have to look at how God has interacted with his people throughout history so that we can understand his love and emulate it in the relationships that we have with each other. If we fail to do that, then we're not going to be able to fulfill this commandment that Jesus gives because I can't love someone else in a way that I don't fully understand. And so I have to, I have to be diligent about spending time getting to, getting to know God in this capacity so I then can mirror that love that he's showing to me. Yeah, and that love that we see, again, why I like First John chapter 4 is it gives us that picture about what this love is and what it's all about, which is so different than the way we'll commonly reference love, right? Yeah. I mean, love is a word we use, right? It's a word we use all the time. Now, we have one English word for it. Right. We won't take you know, the time to dive into, you know, in the Greek, they have multiple different mm-hmm. words for love to kind of give us a different idea for what specific kind of love they're talking about. But for us, generally speaking, we can say it's not this way, but generally it is. We love those who love us, yeah, right? That's right. That's, we, we may sit here and say, well, no, I, I love everybody. I, I, mm-hmm. I love the stranger. I, I love everyone. Well, generally speaking, the, our reality is we love those who love us. Mm-hmm. And really the reality is we love those the most yeah. who love us, right? right. There, at the very least is a pecking order of our love, right? But what we see in First John chapter 4, not just as God is defined as love, but what really is important, the point that John makes in verse 10, that this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and and sent his son. So, you know, the point that's being made that now God's love is not determined upon me in any way. It, it, it almost has nothing to do with me. It's mm-hmm. only from God's side. Yep. He has made the decision to love. Regardless of, of me and regardless of what I choose to do, he has made the choice to love. And so this love is is what's alluded to, mm-hmm. that he'll allude to in John 13 that you made mention of. This is the kind of love that he's looking for, but this is now the highest level of love. Yeah. And now when we think about God, who he is, a lot what we talked about last week, that he's able to take these incredibly difficult to even comprehend qualities and he's using all of that to love. And, uh, I mean, it sits heavy for sure. It really does. And it sits even heavier when you think about how he demonstrated that yep. love. You know, John three sixteen. he loved us so much that he gave Jesus as a sacrifice on our behalf so that we could be saved. And so this isn't just words on a page. 
God put this into action. He showed us how much he loved us. He, he sacrificed his own son so that we could have our sins forgiven, so that we could be saved. And so we can really see not only God saying that he loves us like that, but he demonstrated that. He was willing to, he walked the walk, so to speak. And, and that really, that really takes it to a different level. I can, I mean, I can wake up every day and tell my wife I love her, but if I don't show that, I mean, those words are empty. Right. And, and, and God recognizes that. He's not just going to tell us that he loves us. He's going to show us that he loves us. And he did so on the greatest mag, of the greatest magnitude by giving his own son. And so when we think about it from that perspective, that really makes passages like 1 John 4 or, or even that passage in John 13 really come to life. Because now if the expectation is that I'm just supposed to love someone else the way that God has loved me, well, this is what God has done to show his love for me. So what am I going to do now to show my love for someone else? What am I going to, how am I going to demonstrate that? And, and so it really does impact the relationships that we have with one another when we think about how God has demonstrated his love and the lengths that he has been willing to go to show us beyond a shadow of a doubt how much he loves us. Yeah, I mean, you know, we made mention of First uh, John 4 and verse 10. You know, I read that just a moment ago. You know, it's not that we love God, but, I mean, the point that you just made is exactly what John says in verse 9. Mm-hmm. It, it, he uses a word that we don't use a whole lot, but he says, in this the love of God was manifested. That Just that word means to make, to make known, right, to show. He manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, uh, that we might live through him. And so, you know, the point is there, it, it's not just God show, saying, I, I love man. He manifested that. Mm-hmm. He showed that to man. And how did he show that? By sacrificing his own son, by giving Jesus as God his own life. Yeah. He gave that freely, and that is how he has manifested. And it is that love, that level of love, certainly that we are to have for each other, as we're told here in this context, but for our study, the love that we are to have for God. Yeah. And and not just, hey, I love God, I, I, I do, I love him so much. Well, no, it, it is, we, gotta, we have to man it, that has to be manifested in right. some way. And that certainly is what we're looking for. And really, there is, there is nothing that we could do to that would be going too far in showing our love for God. Right. He he has gone to to the greatest lengths imaginable to show his love for us. And and so the idea of of giving my life to him in service, that seems extreme and yet that still pales in comparison to what he was willing to do for me. And and, and so the 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 willingness that I have to, to give myself to him in service and in worship and in, and in love to other people and, and all of those things, that, that is the least I can do to, to show God my appreciation for what he has done for me. Because not only did he send his son to die on the cross, but by doing so, he, he has given me the opportunity now to have my sins forgiven, which is the other part of this lesson, and to live with him eternally in paradise. Uh, he, has, he has given me more than anything I could ever imagine. And so my service to him it should, should be just the knee-jerk reaction of how I would respond to something like that. He's willing to do all of this for me. Of course I'm going to love him. Of course I'm going to do everything for him. He, my life is his because of what he has done for me. That should be the natural reaction that we have 
when we come to terms with what God's done for us. We, we see that natural reaction happen in life, although certainly on a much, much smaller scale. But we see this kind of thing, you know, all the time. Listen, there's a, you know, there's a big problem. You, you lose your wallet. You drop mm-hmm. your wallet somewhere, and somebody finds it. Mm-hmm. Somebody finds your wallet. It's a big problem for you. You've lost your wallet. Your license is in there. Your credit cards, maybe cash. I mean, you've lost that. Maybe somebody finds it. And they bring it to you. Maybe mm-hmm. they, they mail it to you. Or maybe they bring it to your house. They got your, your address and they bring it to you. You immediately are feeling like I need to do something. Maybe yeah. it's a reward that you give to them or at least a, a, a gratitude of handshake. Yeah. I mean, it is, you're, but you, it is a natural reaction yeah. because yeah. they have done this incredible thing for you. You can ramp that up you know, a little bit more if you see this you know, happen all the time with police officers or firefighters who will literally maybe save the life of someone. Mm-hmm. You know, they make it to a, a scene of an accident in time to get someone out of, or they pull someone out of a burning building or something. Yeah. I mean, literally saving someone's life. You see it all the time. The natural reaction is overwhelming gratitude, and you mm-hmm. want to do something. So on a much higher scale than that, <laughs> That's what God is on what he has done for us. The natural reaction should be this kind of love. The problem is it, it, it isn't always that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we would say, listen, on those other occasions, if somebody finds your wallet and you just grab it out of their hands and slam the door in their face, or someone literally saves your life and you just move on without saying anything, we would think that's the most terrible person mm-hmm. that's ever right. walked the planet. Yeah. So w- where are we here, you know, mm-hmm. with God in that realization of the, the level of love that he has for us? Yeah, that, that really turns into an attitude of, I deserved this that's in the right. first Absolutely. place. Right. I, I was in trouble. You helped me. Well, of course you did. I deserved that. You, you know, and that, that, that turns into an, an idea of the world owes me something. You owe me something. And so if you are to do something for me, well, of course you do. You owe it to me. And if we're not careful, we can have that same type of an attitude with God when we, when we kind of look at what he has done for us and we kind of shrug it off or, or it doesn't have the impact on our day-to-day lives. That, that it really should. We really are having an attitude of, well, God, you owed it to me in the first place. You know, you, of course I, I deserved that. And that is, I mean, that's haughtiness and pride to a level that's almost difficult to comprehend. But I think there are moments and there are times where we can become susceptible to that mindset if we're not careful. When we aren't showing God the level of gratitude and the level of love that he truly deserves, that that really is us having that sense of, of somebody owes us something or I'm deserving of this in the first place. And I think as you study throughout Scripture, and if we were to, to be honest and do some self-evaluation, we'll very quickly come to the reality that, that is not the case. God doesn't owe me anything. I, I'm not worthy of anything outside of Him. I, I, in fact, He gave me life, and all I've done is mess it up, right? I've, I've sinned, and I've, I've messed things up, and I, He doesn't owe me anything. Right. But the reality is, is that even in all of that, His love shines through, and He is still willing to, to extend His hand to, to pull me back and to bring me back to Him, even in those moments where I've messed up and I don't deserve to be brought back. But that opportunity is still there because of that love that he has for me. Yeah, I mean, if that is the attitude that we're, we have or we exhibit, 
what that says is I don't have a great relationship with God. I mean, that's, you know, we're, we've been talking this whole time about our relationship with God. And if, if that is our attitude, then our relationship isn't where it needs to be. I mean, mm-hmm. just think about, you know, for us uh, with our wives or our children, the closest relationships that we have here on this earth, if they demonstrate their love for us in some capacity, whatever the capacity is. But when they demonstrate their love for me in some way, it, it builds the relationship. I yeah. mean, it, it instantly yeah. makes that relationship sure even better, you know, and, and, and makes me want to showcase my love for them. I mean, it, it builds on that relationship. So if we're looking at God, oh, I don't, you know, disdain isn't the right word, but unappreciative. Mm-hmm. Um, or that we deserve what God has done for us in some way, or we're not affected by the love that He has shown, our relationship is not where it needs to be. If our relationship is where it needs to be, I mean, we're going to be, I mean, overflowing with gratitude. Yeah. In Matthew chapter 18, it's a, it's a wonderful chapter just on the topic of forgiveness. But, but what I, I really appreciate about this chapter is Jesus gives some instructions regarding forgiveness and how to deal with someone who has wronged you and those types of things. And, and Peter asks the question to him in verse 21, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And you know sometimes we laugh at Peter because of Jesus' response to that question. But, but I think if you try to look at it from the perspective of Peter, that's pretty generous, and he probably is feeling like I'm really going out of my way if I'm going to do this seven times. Like that's that's really nice of me. I mean, I'm a really good guy if I'm willing to forgive them seven times. And Jesus's response is, I don't say up to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. And of course, we're not meant to do the math on that. But the 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 point that Jesus is making there is, listen, if you want to love your brother the way that God loves you. There is no end to your forgiveness because that, that's the way that God is with us. If, if he put a limit and said, listen, I'll forgive you for the first seven sins you commit. After that, that's too much. You're on your own. I mean, we'd all be in trouble. Right? We'd all be a mess. We would have no hope. But, right. but because God's forgiveness knows no bounds, that, that really, I can only imagine as, as Peter heard that, that must have opened his eyes in a way that even he probably hadn't seen God before, to think about just the endless forgiveness that God extends to us. And that's what God expects Peter and us to do today as well, to just extend that limitlessly. I don't know if that's a word or not, but you know what I'm saying, to just just continuously offer the forgiveness to someone regardless of how many times they wrong us. That's a difficult thing to do. That's a really difficult thing to do. But that's what God expects us to do because that's what he's done for us. Yeah, and that's what makes moving you know, from God's love to God's forgiveness seamless because his forgiveness is based on his love. And his love is limitless, so therefore his forgiveness is limitless. Yeah. And I think you're exactly right. Certainly there in Matthew 18, I think you are on the money. When Peter is bringing this up, he is bringing up a really generous moment. Somebody does something against you seven times. That is a lot. And so uh, there is a point that Peter is saying, listen, my love for that person is is a tall glass. I mean, it has got lots of love, lots Mm -hmm. of love in there. But there is a time Mm -hmm. 
that that love is going to run out. Now, I think he, he's making the point that, you know, maybe my my glass of love is a lot taller than a lot of other folks. Yeah. But he's still saying that my, that glass is going to run out. Mm-hmm. And so there is a limit right. now to his love. But the point that Jesus makes, and you're right about it, is his glass doesn't run out. It is right. limitless. There is no limit to his love. So therefore, there is no limit to his forgiveness. And man, when you start to think about those two things together, uh, and when he says, you need to be the same, right? You need to forgive others, you know, in this way. It is a high, high level Mm -hmm. of love and forgiveness that certainly God showcases and we are called to emulate. Yeah, it's really overwhelming. I mean, it really is to, to think about that. Because, I mean, we've all had situations in our lives where, where people have wronged us in some manner, perhaps even multiple times, and we're like, oh, you know, we roll our eyes, and we're like, they did this again, I can't believe this, or how many times am I going to put up with this, and so on and so forth. And I can only then imagine if I if I just have it within me to stop for a moment and think, man, has, has God thought that about me? Because I've messed up time and time again. And does he have those same thoughts? I, I don't think he does all, all because his, his love blinds him to thoughts like that. He is so concerned with my soul and so concerned with bringing me back that that is the overwhelming feeling that he has towards me. He, do, he doesn't feel like that. He doesn't roll his eyes at me because his love is so big and so powerful that that, that overwhelms any feelings like that that he may have. And so I think that, you know, for us, we have to try and train ourselves to think that way because that's not going to come naturally to us. We have to train ourselves to look at our brothers and our sisters in that same way to, to when, they, when they wrong us again, when they do it again, our first reaction isn't to roll our eyes and say, I can't believe these people, but our first reaction is to show love and to show compassion in the same way that God does and to extend forgiveness to them and to try and bring them back into the fold, doing the same thing for them that God wants to do for me when I err. And that that is something that we cannot practice and work on enough because it can never measure up to the way that God handles us. And so it's something we just constantly have to be working toward. Yeah, I mean, when we start to think about and come to the realization that, you know, in general, man's greatest problem is sin, right? So when I think about it, even personally myself, my greatest problem is sin. And as big and as scary as that problem is, the second realization is there's nothing I can do about it, right? right? Nothing that I can do about it. But now into the equation is God in his limitless love says, I'll take care of that problem that issue for you. I'll do it for you. Mm -hmm. And and not because you're so fantastic, (laughs) not because you've been so wonderful. I'm going to do it for you simply because I love you that much. And so, you know, we've talked about 1 John several times, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, you know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. There's no caveat to that, right? right? There, There are no parameters. He is, you know, faithful and just to forgive us our sins, up to 70 times or up to 70 <laughs> times. Seven, you know, there's nothing given. If we're mm-hmm. confessing our sins to him, he's faithful, he's just, he's going to forgive us our sins. And, and when you start to think about that and the the gratitude, the thankfulness that should 
elude from our souls. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about now relationships becoming stronger. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's how relationships are built. When you come to that realization, when you look back and you analyze the amount of love that God has shown, mm-hmm. it's evident in my right. life. It should be evident in everybody's life. And you begin to do that, and you begin to understand, man, he's doing that for me regardless of how I'm feeling for him. It just amplifies our relationship, or should should. should amplify our relationship. Yeah, and that and that should be to use the word you used earlier. That should be manifested mm-hmm. in the way that we live our lives, because now I, I'm going to be very careful because I don't I don't want to sin, because I understand how much God loves me and what He's done for me, and so I don't I don't want to hurt Him. And in, in the same way that you know there are there are times where where I do things that I, I may hurt my wife. But I try really hard not to. I don't. I don't want to hurt her. I love right. her, and so I don't. I, I want to do things that build her up and help her and and show her how much I love her. And, and that same mentality then translates with how we interact with God and thus the world, where I don't. I don't want to do things that are going to hurt God. I, I love Him and He loves me. We we have this relationship with one another. Why would I do something that would would break that or or hurt that in any way? And so as that bond between God and I becomes stronger so does my ability to keep sin out of my life. And, and that is, is a powerful impact that that love can have in our lives. Because not only does it offer the forgiveness to sin, but it also now serves as a tool in my tool belt to keep me from sin right. moving forward. And, and so, so God's love and his willingness to forgive actually then helps me grow closer to him over time as I become more like him and less like the world. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we often will use passages like we set, we have in Isaiah, who you know paints a picture, kind of the definition about what sin is, and really what sin does. It separates us, separates right. us from God. Well, that's you know that's in our podcast vernacular for this. That is no relationship right now. Yeah, we have a right. broken relationship. Yep. Well, h- how do we know that God doesn't like that? Because of how He manifested His love, He made forgiveness of those sins possible. Well, He did that because He wants us to have a relationship. Yeah. That that's what the removing of those sins allows. It allows us to have a relationship. How do we know God wants to have a relationship with us? The extent that He went to, was willing to go to, mm-hmm. to make sure that we can have those sins forgiven. That there's no darkness within us. Yeah. He can't be around dark. Again, First John. We know it's important to him because of the extent that he went to that now he wants to have a relationship with me. How do I know that? Because of his love, because of the forgiveness that comes out of his love. He wants to have a relationship with us, and now that even amplifies our relationship even more when we begin to think about it that way. Last week I referenced John 16 and John 14 and 15. Jesus there talks about if, if you love me, and you're going to keep my commandments. And the result of that is that the Father and I are going to come and we're going to make our abode with you. And that that then paints the picture of really what that relationship should look like. And it's all built on love. And that love motivates us to obedience. And, and obedience allows us to live in unity with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit because of the love that has been demonstrated to me. And then my response to that love by being obedient to him. And so really, it's just this beautiful image of of what the relationship between God and I should look like. And the foundation of that is love. His love for me, and thus my love for him because of what he's done for me. That 
that in a nutshell is what the relationship that I'm going to have with God really should be. And so when we're talking about you know, this in the context of, of getting to know the Father better, love is at the foundation of that. This is, this is what everything else is really built upon is, is God's love for me. We'll go ahead and wrap things up there. Our time is up for the, for the day, but we want to thank you all for taking uh, some time to join us today and uh, study this topic together. Um, next week, we will continue as we uh, dig deeper into our relationship with God and how we can be His friend and walk through this life with Him in a better and more wholesome manner.